Hey listeners, Ben here with a quick shout out to the folks over at Bandit Camp, the creators of a cool little game called Wicked Ones. Using the Forge in the Dark system, players take on the role of monsters building a dungeon and killing the heroes that enter it. Find it at banditcamp.io and don't miss their Kickstarter for the Undead Awakening expansion starting August 1st. It's bound to be a wicked good time. Valley of Famine contains mature content and adult language. Check the show notes for specific content warnings. Hello, listeners. Did you know that the Rogue Valley Role Players podcast is an affiliate of BattleBards? BattleBards is an online repository of music, sound effects, and all sorts of other audio goodies that you can use in your own games and shows. Check out their website at BattleBards.com, and don't forget to use our promo code RVRPODCAST when you sign up for a Prime membership. Hello and welcome listeners to the Rogue Valley Roleplayers. My name is Ben, I'm here with Rosemary, Austin, Ed, and Nick, and we're here to record another session of Valley of Famine. Once again, my name is Ben, I am the Marshal tonight, I am running the shindig, doing the things, making the players earn their legendary status as much as is reasonably possible, and some of them are disgustingly ridiculous, like Haru. My name is Rosemary, and I'm playing Deputy Rachel Jane Kennedy, and she's a Hexlinger and a Curtis Jensen hirer. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. No, wait, she's a Curtis Jensen interpreter. That's what she is. Rosemary, do, do me a favor and apologize now. <laughs> I'm not sorry. This is Austin playing Wine on Beard Slay, always well-dressed, often ill-tempered. I'm Ed, and I'm playing alleged stagecoach robber Daisy Gilmore, ambassador to the lost continent of Lemuria, Bahir of the Ottoman Empire, captain of the Thalosefer airship, um, former deputy of Jackson County, future first lady of Jacksonville, Oregon, uh, Master of Weird Science and the President of the Southern Oregon Society of Science. And only one of those titles is made up. Hello, my name is Nick. I am playing Haru Matsuhara, the samurai, who is a chi master, sword-wielding badass. And dead. And my name's Lazarus Black, and I'm the demon keeping Haru's cadaver alive, so to speak. He's very dead. All right, so we pick up uh, with another uh, kind of scenic aerial view of the valley. It's late afternoon, verging on evening as we open up. We see Medford with the train station and uh, Reverend Price's uh, revival tent or tent revival not quite sure how you're supposed to say that, but anyway, uh, looks like they uh, people are are sh- uh, filing into the tent uh, for uh, a round of Bible thumping and singing and foot stamping and whatever. Like you do, you do at a tent revival. I don't know. I've never been to one. Um, Reverend Price is standing there at the the 
uh, entrance to the tent, kind of greeting everyone. He's got his Bible in one hand, and he's uh, just, you know, nonstop talking, you know, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you all there. He's got his angels kind of discreetly placed in strategic places in case there's there's any uh, hecklers or or tr- troublemakers uh, during the sermon uh, and whatnot. Um, and then his primary flock uh, are all, you know, greeting people in, giving them little pamphlets, uh, you know, like song lyrics to the psalms they're going to sing, stuff like that. We pull away from that. Uh, and we make our way uh, to Jacksonville, up from Medford, um, and we kind of come zooming in on the town hall, where we find Daisy and Haru um, at uh, at the door to uh, Jonathan's office, I think, because uh, the two of you had you all split up to go do things. Uh, the two of you had decided that you were going to uh, spend the rest of the day kind of bodyguarding Jonathan. Or really, in Haru's case, bodyguarding Daisy and Jonathan, since technically they're the targets of this uh, alleged attack. It's always a good idea to split the party. Who knocks? Uh, I'll knock, because I know the secret knock. Okay. Everyone knows the secret knock. everything shakes. What What is the secret knock for? I don't know. Just... Okay, okay, all right, this is... <laughs> it's just Daisy's knock, you know? Okay. Do, do you and Jonathan have, like, a Morse code just between you, like, lover's Morse code? They definitely yeah. do. I mean, it's the same knock that, you like, she'll knock on all your doors. It's just, you know, it's Daisy by that knock. Okay. Um, so you knock on the door, and uh, there's a, a bit of a pause, and then you hear John... Uh, well, actually, uh that's your knock so he comes and he, he answers the door he doesn't do like a come in he opens he's like oh Daisy and then he and Haru you're here too oh, okay hello Mr. Mayor he just call me Jonathan Mr. Mayor's weird well we got some bad news from your brother I say it with a yeah with your brother does, does he ever have any good news Sometimes, isn't I think once. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but he says that there's some bad people trying to harm us. I think he's just trying to make mess stuff up for our big day. But someone else corroborated his story. And she seemed credible. Hmm. I'm just here as protection. Pro, pro, protection. All right. Well, you better. You, y'all better come in and explain this a little, a little further to me. And he he waves you into his office. He closes the door and kind of puts the lock on, locks it. He's got. Uh, let's see, let's let's uh, do around. Describe the mayor's office here. Uh, I think there's definitely a clock of some sort, like a fancy, nice clock. I was probably grandfathered in by, like, one of the first or second uh, mayors of Jacksonville a long time ago. Jonathan has a really nice hat stand and, like, a coat stand that he... And, like, on it are, like, 
maybe a couple of different of his hats that he would wear about town and like his nice mayor's coat that he wears for official business but it's like kind of shoved back in a corner like he doesn't necessarily want to acknowledge that it's there <laughs> but it's a very nice um mostly like dark wood with maybe like okay. it's a very nice hat stand uh jonathan when he became mayor inherited something from the last mayor which uh is basically built into the mayor's office it's an it's a marble chess table with a couple of ornate chairs pulled up to it and the main distinguishing feature of it is that uh instead of like medieval themed pieces it's uh cowboys and indians okay what does he have in his office that shows off like his idleness how he's just kind of because <laughs> I think he has like just some law books up, like you know, but they're all just for show. <laughs> that kind of thing. We probably inherited those from the last. Yeah, too. yeah, that's true. <laughs> but there's definitely like those that they're there, but yeah, they they have not been looked through at least you know since he's become mayor. I'm thinking, close to the back wall from the main door is a large mahogany desk. With you know markings of it from like children aging, so there's little nick marks in the wind, in the one of the posts from the last mayor's kids growing up, and you know, growing to a certain age before they became mincemeat. <laughs> you know, there there were definitely signs. You know, uh, there's also other markings across it, like maybe a place where he kept tapping a pen while he was writing important documents. So you see little tiny, you know, dots in the wood. You know, just. It's definitely a nice desk, but definitely been used. Okay. I think there's probably also a faint smell of tobacco smoke in here. Uh, I don't think Jonathan himself is a very avid smoker. He probably does smoke. um, But, uh, you know, just from years of people coming in here and having discussions with the mayor or strike, you know, lighting up a cigar or their pipe or stuff. Cause this is long before people decided, you know, maybe we shouldn't smoke indoors. It's kind of gross. He probably chews tobacco as well. Does he? Okay. I would assume, you know, Haru's definitely smoking. He probably picked up the habit from you, Daisy. <laughs> like I just used to having this taste in my mouth now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You call in my little spittoon. (laughs) I was going to ask, does he have a whiskey cabinet of some kind? Yeah, he definitely does. Like a small uh, cabinet. It's got like a couple of bottles and and like a a set of crystal or whatever. And yeah, so there's there's some like padded leather chairs for y'all to sit in. He's he's got uh, he's definitely got like an early prototype rolly chair. Which he has definitely been abusing, in in ways that fancy rolly chairs should not and absolutely should be abused, especially old ones. Mm-hmm. Just like that sounds dirty to me. Probably intended. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> my mind went to a dirty place there. Oh well, I was thinking he was just like you know. Roll himself around on the, the wood floor. <laughs> that, that's what I was picturing, Ben. I don't blame you. <laughs> or, or, you know, spinning himself in place because that's what you do with a rolly chair. Not not teenage gamer rolly chair oh, abused. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where my mind went. <laughs> You're a bunch of cretins. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so he sits down in his chair, and he's, in, in, he's like, okay, so what's what's going on? Well, this, how, um, how is Herod planning on ruining our wedding? <laughs> well, he says, I guess a lot of his people weren't really his people, and they're these, uh, what are they, like, not like doppelgangers, but not doppelgangers, like some... What's a doppelganger? Uh, you know, people who who look like other people, something like that, like identical twins or something. Yeah, Hart in the was you know checking windows, looking out, and he says that doppelgangers can change the shape and mimic other people. These are much like that, but more dangerous. Yeah, but yeah, like that. So so they can do that. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, to elaborate. And- and and I guess they're they're yeah planning on yeah they're planning on doing something out of wedding to to take us out. Oh, well, we should definitely do something about that. Well, we we have a couple of ideas, like maybe moving the wedding up and just jumping ahead of them, or you know, yeah, I might. Uh... Uh, that might be hard to pull off for us, but that would definitely make things more difficult for them. What do we do? We know precisely what their plan is. Or just we're expecting them to do something. I know Herod and in in that one woman, Aurora, knew most of the details. Where Where is Herod? Of course, he didn't have the guts to come say anything to me. Well, yeah, he ran off to go to follow up on the agents to try to find these people. So him and him and Rachel are, are looking into that, and well, Haru's gonna—he's here to you know, help us out. If anyone comes here to our house, or to the not house, I guess. If anyone comes here, <laughs> All right, I appreciate that, Mister Matsuhara. It is my pleasure. So, aside from moving the, the moving the wedding up, uh, what a, a, a day? When when would we we have it then? I don't know. We got <laughs> that's a good question. Probably a day if we got to do it. Like we got what two days? Yeah, get as soon as possible, and then then we just you know we can go off to to Shasta and have our honeymoon. Yeah, we can move it up. Um, I don't know. You think we should change where where we're doing where we're having the wedding at? Maybe. <laughs> I like to think that Daisy's just so badass. She's like unconcerned with getting attacked on her wedding day. Why don't you just have it in a church like most people do? Because uh, I don't believe in the church. You don't have to believe in the church to go into it. Uh, Haru, a word. <laughs> what? So, churches are uh, generally hallowed ground. I would, of course, have to wait outside. And that's one of the reasons why we don't want to have it in a church. Not all the community worships that God, so we want the whole community to be there. So, this is true. Hmm. I have an idea. 
any idea you have is a bad one. No, no, this is a great idea, and I am offended that you would just assume that my idea is a bad idea. It's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. What's your idea? We kill everyone. <laughs> no, not really. That's not my idea. I just knew you were expecting me to say that. I've had character growth. Thank you very much, Haru. <laughs> I was totally expecting that, too. I was totally, like, my brain was like, what? Kill everyone. <laughs> word for word. So, you should ask Daisy. she got some sort of speaker system thing on her fancy airship doodad. Ask her that. It's kind of important for this plan. Daisy, a, a thought just came to mind. Oh, you son of a bitch, you're going to take credit for it. Do you have a speaker system thing on your airship? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, there's like this big like megaphone kind of thing. So that when you're, you know, talking to people down on the ground, you, you know... So you don't land on them. Like, get out of the way! I'm landing my ship! I was just thinking that. Get out of the way! It's a very important safety device. Alright, great, great. So, you, uh, you do the wedding on the airship, and then you broadcast it down to all the people that want to hear it. That way you get the best of both worlds. You're up in the air, makes it a little harder for these, uh, Agent Skinwalker things to blow it up. Uh, yeah, keep keep Rachel as far away from the guns as possible. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody else in the room, John and Daisy, just seeing Haru go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And then, uh, yeah, he, like I said, they're up in the air. They can't get blowed up, hopefully, and uh, and everyone else will be down on the ground. They'll witness it. Kind of. They'll hear it. It might be kind of boring. Yeah, it's a terrible plan, actually. You're right, Aru. It was a bad plan. It's not going to be flashy or fun. I mean, everyone's going to be standing there staring up at the sky, at this, this, this airship while it sits there. It's not even doing anything. Could they do some, like, acrobatics in the air during the service? Aerobatics. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a thing someday. You watch. It's like like gymnastics, but in the sky and with with a flying thing. You better you better put some money in this and patent it. It's gonna be a big thing, and you're gonna be around to see it become a big thing. Sorry to say. Sure. So what if we? have your wedding on your airship and broadcast it through your megaphone to the common folk. Aerobatics. Don't forget the aerobatics. And maybe add some aerobatics where you move the airship in interesting ways to keep people interested. Uh. It's kind of a clumsy way to put it, but good. We'll, we'll work. We'll work on your pitch. So, so you want us to like kind of do a uh, an aerial? I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to be able to see anything. 
But if we do it on top of the airship with the deck with an audience down below, I mean, there's we got the steam gatlins on the airship. Anyone would be a fool to attack us there. And we don't have to worry about Rachel because she's she's the maid of honor, so she won't be at the guns. We'll have someone else. This is going to end with your airship getting destroyed again. I just know it. So be it. <laughs> we could get Billy and the Bailey boys to do it. To command the guns. I, I think they could do it. They are the security team, right? Uh, Haru, a word. <laughs> uh, ha- Haru, do you remember the catastrophe that happened the last time you worked with the Bailey boys? We almost died, like, for reals. They almost died. Maybe they're better. Or maybe they're not. It was an idea. It was a bad idea. It makes my idea look good. We'll let the mayor and the sheriff decide. I, I, I guess. I mean, they're the ones that would be providing security. Sure. I don't know. I'm a figment of your imagination. No, actually, I'm just possessing you, that's all. Let's let's clarify the, the wedding plan um, before we change scenes here. What What is... The plan, and then the two of you can go ahead and weigh in this. We're gonna, we're gonna step out of the the narrative a bit and and discuss. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, smart. Yep. Um, okay, so it sounds like we want Daisy's airship to be involved in some way. I like that. That's bombastic. Maybe literally. But, and you know, it's the quick getaway too. So. Yeah. Um, we want to speed up the timeline to throw him off guard. We do not want Rachel manning the guns. Yes. I have such good shooting now. There's no way I'm going to blow up the airship twice. Rachel should stay away from the airship. We need her on the ground, not firing towards the airship. (laughs) She is not allowed to shoot from or at the airship. (laughs) You blow up one airship and they never let you forget it. No. I think uh, Rachel and Wyanon are trying to get more information about these skinwalkers, see if we can figure out kind of where they are and at least know where at least a couple of them are to kind of reduce the threat. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not quite pick a fight with them yet, but we just want to like know if they're coming, know if they like show up at the wedding or whatever. Well, didn't we have a plan that we were going to track them down and you were going to like call on them as agents mm-hmm. and see how they responded? Yep. Use that as kind of like a so, bait and hook, like a double agent sort of Maybe ploy. we need to send them on assignment where they're away from where the airship is going to be for the wedding. Mm. But because they know that they want to attack the wedding, right? And we tell, like, you tell them, go far away. They're going to be like, they no, no, know no. that we know now that they know. Here's what Wynon is going to tell them. I need you to do something for me the day before the wedding and then make sure you're there on the wedding to protect the mayor because some of the people in town are, are angry at him. They, uh, they keep uh, you know, there's, there's a possibility for a riot to happen. Taxes are too high. We think he may have been a stagecoach robber in the past. Yeah. So like give them the, the idea that like, Oh yeah, that we're going to put him right by him, make it extra easy on him. Yeah. So that's kind of the ploy. Okay. 
And then bumped wedding up a day. While they're out. Yeah. While they're out doing, doing something else. If they do it. Yeah, and then that way we'll know if they know that we know. Uh-huh. <laughs> if they don't do the thing. This is a why not plan. <laughs> yeah. This is a why not plan right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to step back from the narrative. So, um, Haru, Daisy, and Jonathan, you're discussing, you know, the wedding plans, what you could do to change things up to maybe throw these uh, these skinwalkers off guard when there is a knock at the door. Uh, kind of a f- fairly frantic knock, too. I check the door first because I'm providing security to Jonathan right now. Okay, how are you checking the door? First. Who's there? A voice answers, and this is something that we have woefully neglected since the very beginning of this this campaign, which is that, uh, Haru, you are the chief of railroad police, which means you have... Responsibilities. Responsibilities and underlings. You have people that work for you, much like Sheriff Ross has deputies. You have, like, a lieutenant that makes sure that things run smooth when you're not there directly overseeing operations. When I'm taking time off. Yeah. Who is that guy? What's his name? Mei Fu. Okay. Uh, This is a female name. Female name, okay. So, yeah, you hear her voice um, at the door. Uh, Mr. Matsuhara. Uh, A word, please. Hey, she's using my line. Daisy, I will trust that you can keep an eye on Jonathan while I step out for a moment. Yep. Slowly open the door and, like... The best way I can explain it is step through it as I'm opening it, so it keeps the door as closed as possible. Mm-hmm. What was her name again? Mei Fu. Uh, describe her. Uh, so she's average height, uh, long, like straight black hair that she keeps pulled in a ponytail to keep it out of her face and out of her way. She's assimilated well into Western cultures still. So she, she has Chinese, like a Chinese dress, but she also wears like a jacket over it and a hat kind of, you know, kind of like I'm both part of both worlds now. Is she a chi master? Yes, but she's much more heavily on the hand to hand than Haru is. Okay. Um, yeah, she's, she is standing there. She's wearing her, uh, railroad police badge on her, her duster that she's wearing. Um, and she kind of gives you a, a, a quick nod of respect and then, and then says, um, there's been a robbery at one of the supply houses, supply depots. There have been some murders. Uh, show me straight away. Okay. And she, she leads you off. Uh, Aharu. Into the darkness. I call out as we're leaving. <laughs> uh-huh. That I, I have something I must investigate part of the job you understand you better be back quick don't worry i can protect <laughs> jonathan all right so uh you follow Fu. uh it's where she has her horse you've probably got coon tied up in front as well so you both mount up and and start riding for medford um and we're going to cut scene there over to rachel Wynon and curtis as you're following these tracks
it's a full evening at this point in time and um you're following these tracks uh through curtis is is leading you following these tracks through town eventually he gets to the outskirts of town and kind of Look, looks at it, squint, looks at the ground, squints, and then points to a house on the edge of town and says, You're there to burn. Thanks, Curtis. You're, 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 you're near me to, to stick around and help her to, what, 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 uh, if you want to keep watch while Mr. Beardsley and I go up to this house, I sure would appreciate it. Sure, sure, I can do dirt. Good man. Good man, Curtis. Curtis, I uh, don't suppose you could take a look around the area, see if you see any other tracks. Sure, sure. I'm going to assume that, assume that was the affirmative. Uh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, Curtis will uh, kind of peel off um, and start doing like a perimeter around the, the area. Curtis says... Tracks it up to that house. Shall we go check it out? Indeed. Miss Kennedy, be on your best behavior. We don't want to let anything slip. I'm always on my best behavior. Most of the time. <laughs> you could start with holstering your gun, Miss Kennedy. Fine, but there's strange creatures about. You're a quick draw. So there are lights on in this house as you come walking up to it, and you you hear uh, uh, a number of voices. Uh, two two voices are loud and slurred, um, and the other two are a little quieter. Uh, it's hard to make out precisely what they're saying from here. You can just kind of pick out definitely like four different voices. Do they sound like the agents? that Wynon had? Two of them, two of the quiet voices definitely sound familiar. It sounds like those might be the agents in the house up ahead. Would you mind knocking and introducing us? Not at all. She'll go up the... I'm picturing like a front porch with steps, but if... Yeah, that's fine. She'll walk up the steps, um, knock on the door... Uh, the voices go quiet for a second, and then you hear like a chair scraping and uh, an unsteady foot pattern um, come up to the door, and then it, it kind of gets thrown open, and you see, uh, I know one of the civilians we named uh, last week was Frank. Bessie and Frank were the Bessie. civilians. Bessie, okay. So Bessie is at the door. She looks drunk. She smells drunk. Um, it's a little, little disheveled looking and it's, oh, Jeputy. I don't know what her voice is, but yeah. Bessie? Deputy? You all right? Sure. Rachel, I think, uh, does that whole, like, where she leans back as just this whiskey soaked breath washes over her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, of, oh, you, you stink of alcohol. Um, kind of face. No, she doesn't say that, but that's what she's reacting to. You should be used to it with Ross. Do Frank and Bessie have children? No. Um, what, what does Frank do in town? What's his profession? It should be something that makes him enough money that he can go get sloshed a lot, but also something that 
he can like do while enduring a hangover or or like still drunk tanner yeah i was gonna say or a tailor like he does suits like sells nice suits i was thinking a wheel maker okay i like tanner uh so yeah that makes sense they would be on the edge of town as well because their shit stinks (laughs) it stink real bad he drinks so he doesn't smell like tanning yes perfect um yeah so and bessie helps him out with that and and yeah they make enough money to be functioning alcoholics (laughs) so then is it usual do you think to see them this sloshed Yes. Okay. Bessie, you've been hitting the sauce again. Did ducks breathe there? Uh, well, maybe you can help me out. I'm looking for a couple of folks here from Mr. Beardsley. She blinks blearily uh, past you, uh, Rachel, at Wynon. Um, and and squints squints her eyes real hard. And, and who who are you? Do I know you? Pleasure to meet you, Madame. You certainly look lovely today. I was wondering if you happen to have run across a couple of my friends. Uh, you would know them. They tend to dress uh, more in uh, darker shades. Uh, perhaps they go by some fun nicknames: uh, November, Romeo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in fact, we were just talking to him in there, and give me a nose roll, negative two. Um, that would be a three. Okay, you do not hear Romeo and November collectively sigh <laughs> and, like, facepalm. Uh, yes, I don't suppose I could, uh, talk with them real quick. You bring a bottle of something? We're having a little bit of a party. Hmm. Well, I, I unfortunately didn't, but uh, perhaps I can help buy you your next drinks. Uh, would a $5 bill assist with that? Yeah, that $5 bill disappears real fast. Rachel pinches the bridge of her nose like you've been suckered. Why not? Don't you go spending that all at once, Bessie. Uh, no, I'm going to spend it one bottle at a time. I don't want to have to haul you back to the cell to sleep it off later. Still got my favorite cell uh, open, right? Yep. Almost got the comfiest pillow. None of them have pillows. <laughs> they might. One of them might have like a faded, like, threadbare okay, pillow. Okay, yeah, that's that's the one. Bessie brought the pillow. Yeah. <laughs> what you don't know is it's actually got a half empty whiskey bottle tucked away in it. Yeah. Um... So yeah, she you know steps out of the way and 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 beckons both you inside, and uh, you see Frank is slumped at the at the table, passed out, uh, one hand curled around most of an empty, uh, or a mostly empty bottle of whiskey, and you see uh, November and Romeo uh, sitting there, um, and they just kind of like look back at the two of you and and. Uh, kind of nod to you, Wynon. Wynon uh, makes sort of a discreet hand gesture, which means report. Okay. They uh, they signal acknowledgement, but then they their their eyes flick to Bessie and then to Rachel and then back to you with a question. 
Um, he does another hand signal at uh, Rachel, uh, implying like um, commission or something to that effect, like uh, sort of hired hired on mercenary. Um, and then uh, November uh, stands up and is like, "Sir, we were investigating the townsfolk, just as you asked." Let's take a walk in the woods and speak in a place a little more private. Very well. Your home is lovely, ma'am. Thanks. Oh, here, let me help you to a chair. Uh, so, yeah, she you, you help her into a chair, and, and she kind of reaches out to grab the bottle that Frank is holding on to, and then she, gets, she managed to get her hand around it, and then she passes out as well. Uh, and the four of you file out of their house and probably close the door. Yeah, Rachel will, like, grab a blanket and drape it over Bessie's shoulders. And then shut the door behind her. Okay. As she leaves. And then, uh, I guess you walk into the forest. What have you got for light sources? Like, the, the town's got, um, some, like, uh, not electric street lights, but like oil lights or something um, along like the main thoroughfare, uh, which casts a little bit of light for the outskirts of the town. But past that, it's it's dark. I think Rachel's going to actually take a lantern from the house with her as she leaves. Oh. And um, Rachel's expanding into larceny. She's borrowing a lantern. It's dark outside. Um, and she'll light it and then carry it out as she shuts the door behind her. Okay. So you start, you walk a little ways out into the woods, and then, uh... Allow me to reintroduce you to my, uh, mercenary, Rachel Kennedy. Uh, she's been assisting me in investigating the area for any signs of the paranormal. I was curious if you two have come across anything. Like I said, we've been interrogating the, uh, townsfolk as, uh, subtle-like as we can. I appreciate that. Uh, going for that couple, obviously drunkards. Clever. Figured it'd be easy to get some information from them. They were starting to talk about what happened last winter, but then you showed up. I apologize, but I think something more pressing might be worth your attention. Are you familiar with the Table Rock formations? No, sir. They are, uh, think of them as sort of small mountains made of rock, which form almost a flat surface uh, at the top. They're quite striking from a distance. I'm familiar with what a plateau is, sir. Well, uh, there's a couple of them. A lesser and a greater, you could say. And I've heard reports that on the greater, signs of something with hair and horns has been have been seen. I wanted to see if you two had time to investigate. Yes, sir. We can do that. Uh, perhaps you've heard, but the mayor and his soon-to-be bride are going to have a wedding in a few days' time. I would like you to investigate the day before the wedding. I want to make sure there's no trouble. All right. I suppose that depends on how far away uh, this table rock is. Not far. You should get there in a day's time of riding, I think. Yeah, you should be able to get there in a day easy. Is uh, your mercenary coming with us? Seems like you know the terrain could be helpful. Mm. I'd considered it, but I think that I need Miss Kennedy to help me plumb the 
rumors around town. It seems that something's afoot. I haven't quite figured out what yet. Give me a persuasion roll. So that is a five. Uh-oh, I got an eight to your five. Do you want to spend a Benny? I will try re-rolling. Maybe I can blow it up here. Okay. Same roll, so... Hmm. Okay. The, the only... The consequence is that she's going to be a little tipped off. Uh, or suspicious, I should say. Not tipped off, but she's going to be suspicious. Like, okay, hmm, what does that mean? Can I assist in this somehow? Uh, how are you assisting retroactively? I was going to say, maybe Rachel's assisting by, you know, just acting. Like, could we just hurry this up? Like, I got stuff to do in town. Like, she's acting really unconcerned around their presence. Like, this you, you could is... definitely do that. And if Austin wants to spend another Benny, that potentially might help you get over that eight threshold. Mm, sure, I'll spend one more. See, okay. if, see if I get lucky here. Before you roll, go ahead. Uh, what skill are you using to uh, make that happen? I think just persuasion. Okay. So go ahead and roll your persuasion. If you get a success, that'll add a plus one to Austin's roll. If you get a raise, it'll add a plus two. And there's a four. Seven. Seven. So you can roll with a plus one if you spend that Benny. Sure. I'll try one more time and I'll consider conviction because it seems pretty important, but we'll see. So my highest roll is a six. A six. Okay. Like I said, she's suspicious. Doesn't mean they like, oh, they know. Okay. That's fair then. Yes. uh, I'm hoping that you can investigate this quickly because I fear that I may need you there on the day of the wedding. I I want you to help me protect the mayor. Keep chaos down. Yeah. She kind of pauses and uh, try, tries to very discreetly, like she turns her, her head like she, she's looking at Rachel for a reaction, but her her eyes, she's looking at you with her peripheral vision. You get the sense. Very well, sir. We'll, we'll be sure to be back uh, in time for this wedding. Thank uh, you. Do you want just Romeo and I to check out this table rock, or do you want us to round up the rest of the crew? I think that you should be more than sufficient. Uh, do you need any supplies before you go? Anything I can help you to acquire? No, sir, we should be fine. Good, good. Um, I suppose that's it. Uh, let let me know if you see me around town, if you think of anything. Yes, sir. And they, they give you, like, the agency version of a salute, which is probably, like, super subtle, because they don't want people actively going, ha-ha. Yeah, he returns the countersign. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they hustle off back into town. Deadlands and Savage Worlds are the property of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All content is used unofficially under the Savage Media Network license. Find more of their great products at peginc.com. Sound effects are by Plate Mail Games and BattleBards. Music by the Eaglestone Collective. You can find links to all of the above in the show description. As always, thank you for joining us for this episode. 
please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you listen, and don't hesitate to contact us via rvrpodcast at gmail.com, at rvrpodcast on Twitter, or join us on our Discord server. We'd love to hear from y'all. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.